G'day and welcome. Boom. Boom, we're here. You're done now. You're done right. Welcome to Carnage House uh, by Carnage House Productions. Uh, we've got today a very special guest, uh, Sebastian Keys, wine connoisseur, uh, explorer of Asia Pacific. Uh, thanks for coming on today, no, I, Sebastian. I appreciate it. Thanks for hitting me up. That's okay. No worries. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what we've got in front of us today? Well, more importantly, why are you into wines Venus. so much? What, okay. Well, what got you into it, more importantly? Well, first, I've got to say probably about, a little bit about um, what I've been doing for the last couple of years. Um, I went to China for a year, had a lot of fun, and sort of thought, um, was very interested in what, what, um, what was going on there, what, you know, how how to make money, how to have fun, what, what, sure. what's going on. And I met up with a, with a guy there called Ewan Proctor, who was one of the head rep for, reps for Penfolds. Yeah. And um, he just sort of taught me about wine, taught me about the industry, and you know, said there's a lot of opportunity there. So I got into wines, um, lots of fun as well. Mm. And I came back to Australia after that year and um, yeah, joined a wholesaler called Single Vineyard Cellars. Now I'm getting up my wine stripes, getting up my knowledge, and sure. uh, prepping to get really, get a fine, fine product to be able to ship back to China. Because awesome. currently in Australia, there's way too much wine. Is that true? There's a glut, there's a yeah. glut of supply. There's a glut of supply, and it needs to go. Why do you think it is that there is so much supply of wines? Uh, there was actually some... I'm, I'm not entirely sure about the, the tax, the, the, the exact specifics of it, but what I've come to believe is that uh, you, you sell sort of like a tax um, break to, if you owned a, a vineyard. Right. So a lot of like these millionaire dudes would be like, oh, okay, you know... I've got all this money, now I'm just going to buy myself a vineyard, have a bit of fun, yeah. and just get some guy to you know, produce a whole lot on the side. Right. And it's mainly a tax benefit. Yeah, and that's recently just shut this year. Okay. So there's actually going to be a huge sell-off. So right. I, want to, I want to ride that wave and just keep going and sure. push it off. Yeah. Sure, because uh, one of the guys we had on uh, last, well, two, two podcasts ago, Martin Rogers, he mm. set up a, a venture capital um, fund for exactly the same reason, for uh, a government-induced tax break. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny how, you know, tax spurs on all this business. I guess, yeah. you know, if you lower taxes, people start, ma- you know, making I'm sure their own businesses. I'm sure we'll get into protections and ism and... Uh, sure, you know, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, tax breaks, yeah. So you went to China for a year. Whereabouts yeah. in China did you go? So I stayed uh, in two places predominantly, uh, in, a, in just a, a town, small town of 11 million called, in a place called Suzhou. Suzhou, right. which is about half an hour fast train out of Shanghai. Yeah. And the second place is a place called Wuhan. Wuhan. I said it twice, just so you know. Perfect. Well, <laughs> in central China. Um, it's famous for chemical engineering and the home of Mao Zedong. Right. And, um, <laughs> really? That's pretty much it. Oh, look, I'm sorry to all the people out there. Shout outs to Wuhan. But I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's about it. That's, 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 that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to yeah. get. So you were, I assume, you were 20, 21. 22. When you, 22. Oh, I was, oh, when you moved over. I was 20. 1919. You were 19 when you moved over. What was yeah. the biggest... Well, firstly, how was the, the change? Oh, it's the most extreme change ever. Um, I, I find, you know, or maybe a lot of other people find that when they go to other countries, it's a nice thing. Like, they enjoy themselves. They have, yeah. you know, they're sort of their, their, their ways of living can, you know, um, merge in with, you know, you go to Europe, you go to... Thailand, I mean, sure. for instance, you're having fun. You know, but um, China is a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, it's it's difficult, but it's extremely interesting. It's but not like not interesting, like just as a cop out, interesting. But I mean, it's there's so much going on, and it's just so different to yeah. You know this be- you know this beautiful Sydney. I mean, it's the I would say it's the polar one of the polar opposites. But, sure. Um, yeah, everything's different about it. But it's just all little things, you know. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Of course, because I mean, uh, you know, it's 
for instance, if you move from uh, like Australia to uh, even somewhere like France, mm. um, even where the predominant language is not English, mm. anywhere in kind of Western Europe, it's kind of analogous. It's pre- it's reasonably similar in terms of obviously there's slight cultural differences, but it's not as if most of these places have just come out of kind of um, severe communist yeah. regime. But even still, uh, China, I guess, regards themselves as communist. But um, <laughs> you know the extent to which that is true. Anyway, so you, um, you go over there, you're 19. Yeah. Um, did you, what was your aim when you were going over there? Did you know that just, you wanted just, to get into wine? No, I, I went over there with open mind being like, what can I do? What can sure. I soak up? Um, they call it a little bit of um, Marco Polo syndrome. When you, <laughs> you know, the traveler who went down the Silk Road. Um, yeah. Yeah, purely just to see what, you know, what was what, what one seventh of the world is up to. Sure. You know. <laughs> I mean, they are moving forward rapidly. Mm. Um, you talk about like an ascension out of kind of the depths of the abyss. Uh, um, well, I, I, I wanted to touch on this. You got to you got to remember, like in the sixties, you know, these these guys, their grandparents were fighting over rice. You know, yeah. when the truck would come in into town, like they've gone from, you know, hardcore, you know, famines to where they are now. Yeah, um, and it's yeah, it's, it's pretty serious. Like it's, it's I would say, it's difficult for us to grasp like the idea the of what that would be like. Mm. Um, anyway, so you're over there. Mm. Uh, did you did you know any Chinese before going over there? I did one year at UTS. One year Chinese UTS. language. Yeah. How did how much of that do you think was well? How well did that hold you? Um, all right. I think actually they got a couple of the words wrong. <laughs> like, um, uh, what was it? They say um, like menu. That means like lady, and like it actually means like prostitutes. So I'm like, oh, me how menu. And they're like, you call me a prostitute? Like, yeah. In some, in some different places, so. Sure, sure. Was, and um, <laughs> did you find the, the, obviously, there are also a whole bunch of different accents. Yep. Um, did, yeah. Some people would say I actually have a bit of a bogan Chinese accent. Really? Oh, uh, yeah, from, from Wuhan. Yeah. <laughs> all, all the Beijingers are like, ah, what I found, what I found, a lot of it is like kind of the back of the mouth. Oh, it's and guttural, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it can be quite guttural. Mm. Um, and uh, I remember before, because I, I, I've done, one semester of Chinese and I'm doing mm. my second, I used to find that Chinese dialect was particularly aggressive as well. It, a lot of the time, like for people, it sounds like they're arguing with each other. Yeah. But it's it's, it's not, just the way it comes out. Yeah, it, it's it's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no Latin origin. It's it's just, yeah, it's all tones. It's, it's all tones, tones yeah. yeah. Up, down, yeah. yeah. The tones are serious work. Anyway, yeah. so, you're, so you're over there. Um, you've done a year of Chinese before going over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you kind of, you really try and hit the ground running as much as you can, but obviously it's a totally different culture, a totally different language, and that's kind of it's a culture shock. What, um, what was what was your aim for like the first couple months while you were over there? Uh, for, for the first for the first um, half, I was working. Uh, I wanted a placement of an internship working for a uh, academic on Chinese Chinese social studies called David Goodman, right? And um, Xi'an Jiao Tong Liverpool Dashui, which was a partnership uni between Xi'an. Uh, university and Liverpool in the UK, and that was that was very sort of entry level um, China. It was super super, um, you know, lots of lots of international students, really yeah. sort of China light, white bread yeah. China. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was um, very easy. But I'm um, still, you know, once you get a little uh, e-bike and you you go 20 k's out from the middle of the town, you're you know in farmlands and you know cracking beers with rice farmers. 
That was pretty fun. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so you work with Dave Goodman. Yep. Um, you do that for your first couple of months. Yep. Um, then what happens after that? What happens? Actually, uh, so I did a semester there or at the, at the university uh, there. And um, then I went on a trip for one month, just backpacking. I did from, I'd like to say from East China all the way. So if you see sort of China like this, um, sort of here, went all the way. Uh, through the west to a place called Langzhou and then went through then went down the border of the Tibetan uh, ranges in a place called Gangsu which was totally fascinating where they didn't even speak um, uh, Mandarin Han, Han Yu really? no they didn't they speak a sort of like a Tibetan language yeah that was fascinating I mean, I mean uh, just, a, just a little heads up 80% of China is Han people the other 20 is like Uyghur Tibetan um, Yunnanese I don't know what they're from down there but I mean yeah, it's, a, it's a diverse country yeah. for the west side of China. Sure, yeah, sure. But it's pretty homogenous on the east side. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah. uh, you've gone backpacking. What did you mm. learn while you were backpacking? Oh. <laughs> like if everything everyone learns, you know, keep your socks wet. No, sorry, yeah. not dry. Sorry, don't keep, keep your socks wet. Um, no, it was just... Um, just, you know, I was... You, got, you, got, you, get, you get yourself into all these little strange pickles. Um I was uh, sleeping on the on the on the floor of uh, the state-run electrical grid. Really? Yeah. I was. Uh, what else I was doing? I was um, riding on the back of uh, motorbikes with uh, Tibetan monks, cruising in a you know in a nice hundred k's, just absolutely yeah. you know, fanging it, fanging it. Um, met some uh, yeah, some interesting people along the way, and um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was uh, it was uh, amazing experience. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So you've. Um, then what kind of happens after that? So how, well, more important, like we've got all these wines here. Yeah. Did you kind of fall into the Australia Chinese wine relations or wine diplomacy almost? Or Wine diplomacy. Well, every bit of diplomacy always starts with a nice dinner and a few drinks. That's right. Uh, the best way to make friends. Well, I mean, you know, show me the money, you know, let's, let's talk, let's make it happen. But I yeah. mean, you know, uh, you know, diplomacy always starts off with a nice dinner and wine and it's a nice icebreaker, I suppose, for diplomacy. Yeah. Um, but no, I just, after I just walked straight into the wholesaler, I said, give me a job. And they said, all right. The, in China? Or in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. You just kind of, before that, did you have like a passion for wine? or no, not so much. Not so much. You were just looking for a job or? <laughs> looking, looking for an interesting job, a job that would push me right. uh, in, in the right direction. Cool. And so that was after you'd spent your year in China. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then, um, did you say, "Well, I've spent a year in China. Mm-hmm. I'm reasonably, uh, I'm conversationally fluent. Um, I've got about twenty minutes of dinner chat. Twenty minutes of dinner chat. Yeah, that's Up that's pretty stage. much it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the level. That's yeah. The level. Okay. I could hold the conversation for about twenty minutes over dinner. Over dinner. Yeah, yeah. Twenty minutes. I got twenty minutes worth of dinner chat. Um, but also, I guess, kind of with your backpacking as well as kind of you study at the university, you get mm. you do kind of get uh, a sense of the actual culture. Like, because obviously there are different practices and, um, like, I, I know that there's this concept, for instance, in China of saving face. Yeah. Like, where pretty much, I've heard of examples where big corporate guys will bring a professional drinker along. Yeah. Um, and so they just get totally slammed and, um, mm. or... The, the Chinese have a weird um, drinking culture in the sense that they wouldn't, um, currently, well, I'm trying to change this, um, I influence this, but, um... The whole thing when they drink, they always eat it with food, always have dinner, but then they just they drink um, either like just penfolds. I don't know if we talk about penfolds. <laughs> um, uh, or this thing called baijiu. You you know baijiu? 
it's like a rice vodka. It's fifty percent plus, and you like yeah. smash it all all evening, and they get like paralytically drunk. I mean, similar to the, what they do in Japan, I think a bit. And their whole thing is, you know, they got to. If they, they feel if you well, if, like they, the, if they get mortal with you, they feel like you, they say their inner they try, thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing. Is they trying to they trying to like yeah. who are you really? What are yeah, you yeah, What are you yeah, really yeah, thinking? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I've heard. It's a little bit of like um, once I know you're you're drunk, I can trust you, and like you in terms of what you're saying, uh-huh. yeah, I can get you vulnerable. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting concept, but it's you know, it, it, it's all look. It's always good to have a drink with business partners, but sure. I mean, parallelics. That's silly. Yeah, but it is silly, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, obviously, like it's it's for some of them, it's working. It's working. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, so why don't you run us through um, kind of the different types of wine you got here? Oh, as okay. well. So like, I also want this to kind of be like almost a little education a, session. A little education session. Sure. So, sure. Uh, I'll start from here, over here. We have um, Harewood Estate from WA uh, in a region called the Great Southern. Uh, James Kelly is the guy who makes the wine. Six kids. Do you mind if I look? No, no, it's cool. That's, so that's the Shiraz there. That's the Shiraz. 14.5%. It's, uh, I'd say it's sort of a modern for an Australian Shiraz. Why, um, what makes it modern? It's not going to blow your head off with alcohol or um, flavour. It's quite a smooth Shiraz. Um, dark cherries. Um, well, just very, even if... To go back even further, peel yeah. it back. What is the actual difference between, say, a Shiraz and a Pinot Noir? So that, I'd say that's the grape varietal, um, firstly. But um, Shiraz typically is a quite heavy, heavy drink. Yeah. Um, like sort of thick viscosity. Pinot Noir, on the other hand, another is a Pinot Noir grape, and it's might normally it tends lighter. to be a little bit lighter. Yeah. Yeah, thirteen, thirteen and a half percent. So how do they make it lighter or thicker so that it becomes a Shiraz or a Pinot? So it's just the grape. There's a grape. It's a varietal. different type of grape. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what type of grape is a Pinot typically? That, that is the grape. It's called a Pinot Noir grape. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, no, that, this one here from Silver to And so, mine. so the grape themselves have a, a composition or whatever that lends itself to being thicker yeah. or yeah. kind of in the same way that different types of strawberries are sweeter or yeah. whatever. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, there's lots of other factors. You know, like the, how much sun they get. You know, what, sure. what you do after you press them. So you squeeze the grapes, then you have all the juice, and then you have the skins. And do you do you mix the skins with the juice together, and that creates more flavor? Do you chuck it in an oak barrel? How long do you put that in for? Sure. All these, you know, little wine voodoo tricks. Yeah. You know, they, they are, they, they um, obviously all this stuff though is kind of handy to know because I mean you've got how often do you go to a restaurant and it's they've got wines on the menu and you just go I have no idea you know what on earth am I actually even Look, looking at? Look, just get the second cheapest one. That's yeah. uh, that's my is, recommendation. Is that the rule? Yeah, yeah. The rule of thumb. Yeah, if you have no idea, but um, you know, Pinot Noir is always a good one to go to. Yeah, uh, you can have it with fish or meats or anything really. Cool. Um, yeah. And the last one over here is Champagne Jacquard. It's a absolute premium. Have we run through this one? No, oh, the Riesling. The Just Riesling. Now, the Riesling, yeah. people um, often ask me, because uh, I, I work at a bar, they mm. say, oh, can I get a dry white? And normally I'll just say a Riesling. Ries- yeah, yeah. Can, is, is, um, is, yeah, so the trend is uh, these days for dry Rieslings. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, exactly sure how you make it dry. I mean, I think yeah. the, the process of... Uh, I make which I should look more into, but um, yeah, the dry dry rieslings are definitely more popular in Australia. Sure, and um, so German German rieslings where Germany's where the riesling originally came from, and it probably is a little really? bit more. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it sounds Deu- Deutschland riesling, yeah, 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 and that's where um, that's where it came from. Um, yeah, that was one, and but yeah, the champagne is an abs- absolute bomb. Uh, two for 
Two for a hundred in vintage cellars, guys. Get it while it's hot. Is it worth fifty bucks a bottle? Oh, there's only one way to find out. There's only one way <laughs> to find out. No, it's um, it's a uh, you know premium champagne, uh, Chardonnay dominant, very light, delicate, elegant, um, great for an aperitif, um, first drink of the evening sort of vibe. Yeah, um, great for a present as well. True. Lovely gift box. I'm not taking it out because I've actually popped it last night, but um. Yeah, it's still in the gift box. <laughs> well, I, can I tell you, there's nothing, um, there's not really a stronger recommendation than you've just, you popped it last night. Yeah. <laughs> like um, and also, uh, something people may know, there's no such thing as Australian champagne, for example. It's a um, common misconception, that's what I've heard, that uh, champagne is only champagne if it's made in champagne. That's correct. In France. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's like, you're not going to get Sydney rock oysters made in Beijing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you can have oysters, sure, but... Yeah, champagne is from the region of Champagne. The region of Champagne. Yeah. And it's also made a certain way. There's certain regulations. So, uh, for, for instance, uh, a brut a brut champagne has to be um, f- fermenting in the bottle for about three years on lees, which yeah, it's, it's all that um, it's all that uh, get some bombs that go on in there. Um, yeah, and it has to be made certain ways in the specifications, but um, it has to be from the region of Champagne. You can make the, the same way, but it just can't legally be called Champagne. And there's all, but there's five different ways to put bubbles into a into our sparkling wines and that's just one of them that's the most hard traditional right yeah. right okay yeah. that is, wow so and so what are the different types of champagne oh. <laughs> oh, well, what are the different types I mean, what are the main types what are the main types so um, like Blanc, for, for instance Blanc, yeah. um, and they've all got s- different kind of specifications yeah, as diff- to different what ways yeah okay yeah. this one's uh, would, I'd say it's, it's um, a better quality because it's um, fermented for slightly longer than you say your verbs or moets, um, which creates a finer bead in the bubble. Mm. So you find a finer bead when um, when you're drinking it. It's just more delicate explosion of freshness yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's created that way a bit more, yeah. Cool. So obviously, I'm a rank amateur when it comes to this. Maybe slightly above because I work at a bar, but even what, then... What, what bar? Um, oh, maybe we're going to say... Yeah, just another bar. Yeah, yeah. I just work at a bar. All right. I don't um, want to get... Um, non-specific bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't want to get antifered or anything like no. that. <laughs> okay. um, or doxxed. Yeah. Um, what, what would, how would you describe the general level of uh, kind of wine education in Australia? It's good. It, it, I mean... Like know, the lay, in, for the layman, for the average Joe, do you reckon he's got some kind of idea compared to... Other countries, or yeah, well, um, I heard a couple of weeks ago that um, beer consumption's on the on the on the downfall, on the wine, down. and wine's up. But you know, we still have more delicious beers than ever before. Sure, right now, particularly um, with all the rise of these uh, micro breweries and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm living in the heart of Newtown these days. Yeah, and, uh, oh mate, it's uh, that's where it's, it's all wild. happening. That's where <laughs> it's all happening. Yeah, it's good. But you'd say oh. that Australia's pretty good in terms of what people kind of know about wines. Yeah, and also just give it a shot. I mean, just try it. You know, the, the best wine for you is the is uh, one you like. You know, just uh, it's like anything you develop. You know, it's like you start with cheeses. You know, yeah. You go, you know, I want a camembert one day. I want a blue blue cheese the next sure. day. You know, sure. you start off. You don't you don't like coffee. No, you like coffee. It's like yeah. it's just one of those things that you develop, and it's just sort of like you know, typically why older people get into it more is because it's just a thing you can learn throughout your whole life. Sure. You know. Yeah. There's no rush. The guys like don't rush into it. Like just. Just drink whatever you like. Stay cheap. Save fifteen bucks. Keep it real, you know. Yeah. And then when the hangovers, you know, start to uh, to Accumulate, compound, yeah, 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 just uh, then you know, go your thirty bucks and just just explore. Do you reckon there is any relationship between like the your level of hangover and the price of the wine? Uh yeah. So is it pretty yeah. pretty kind of linear? Yeah. Like, so with the vinos, um, 
they, they, pretty much the preservatives they use and just the way they make the wine, the chemicals, so if it's not organic or not, um, that pretty much leads to hangover. So generally, if you're under 15 bucks, you're going to get a stinger. Wow. Um, but it's just, it's just the purity of the wine, really. And, you know, if they filtered it right and if they care, you know. That's why I'd say drink boutique wineries, like, you know, smaller wineries, they, they care. You know, anything you get in Dan's. I'm trash talking Dan's. <laughs> Yeah, watch out, guys. <laughs> We're slapping Dan's around. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so look, I guess an investment in your wine is an investment in how you're feeling tomorrow type of thing. I, I suppose so, yes, yes. But um, always, guys, just a glass of water between every uh, that's every, every second of vino. Just a, little, just a quickie, you know? That's a good, that's be, a good tip. Fine. That's a handy tip. We like to be responsible on this show as much mm. as we can. Mm. Um, well, that's fantastic. And so what's your favourite wine at the moment? Um, wines or... Um, I've got a, a Burgundian clone from WA, uh, which I'm liking. Which so um so getting clone. So they've they've sni- they've um, taken off the Pinot Noir vine from Burgundy in France, yeah. And they've grafted it on, in um in Western Australia, okay. in, in a region called Denmark. And they just yeah they're grown together. So they have this beautiful um Burgundy Pinot Noir growing in Denmark and um in WA in WA yeah, town, wow. yeah, town, and um they've still um filtered and full flavored, nice and smoky and really light and just. You can have it with anything. Is that, like a, is that like a, a, a common thing? Is this... Is that... Because um, obviously... Oh, there's, there's millions of ways to make one. I mean, oh. Really? Yeah, there's... You know. <laughs> so, so um, you we have like... A, so, we have like a pretty serious French influence in Australian Australian wines. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, French... How many people are doing this type of... That type of clone thing? Are there many? Oh, or? no, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, yeah. I think it's pretty unique, but I mean... I'm not... Yeah, it's pretty that. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. It's also a little bit kind of like Frankenstein yeah, type of thing where they're getting the pieces and together. And wine voodoo, it's all, you know, woo. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty serious. But yeah. um, but you're really liking that clone. Yeah, that's just one of them. Yeah. Clone. Yeah. Um, should we, um, should we uh, maybe talk about Trump? If you want to. If you want to. <laughs> I, like, thought, I mean, I thought that was the thing, you know, you always like to, that was, uh, it is a thing. to, to it, bump in. I'm, just, a, I'm throwing a left one whoosh, right at it, you. Well, look, I, to be honest, I, I must confess to the viewers or to the listeners, I was mm. not expecting to chat about Trump. But as, as usual, I'm almost always willing to. Mate, let's do it. Um, why don't you give us your kind of 30 seconds or quick pitch, elevated pitch on why you like or don't like Trump. Alright, I have I have a... Uh, a, a how do you say? I um, multiple multiple opinions on the guy. Um, personally, I wouldn't you know don't think he's the you know the best person. Uh, I mean, as as a as a figurehead. Uh, oh gosh, how do I say this right? We we, we got to cut this. Like, no, right. no, 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 no. Um, as a figurehead, I mean, compared to Obama, he doesn't have the the sort of honourable characteristics you could say uh, of, of, a, of a leader potentially um, I do appreciate what he's doing though for um, for the country uh, in the sense that he is moving towards an, um, he's really caring about America compared to the rest of the world and this, this is the whole thing is um, it's you know America's been this international policeman they've been you know causing wars all around the world mm. and I think Trump's sort of trying to bring that back a bit you know as lovely as Obama was, um, you know, Yemen, all, all these, all these, Syria. All, all, Syria, all these wars. I mean, you know, they're just into, uh, you know, just getting out there and destroying. Yeah. <laughs> um, however, when it comes to Australia's relation with America, um, we've always always sort of relied on them for defence ever since uh, World War Two. Mm. They've sort of been the big brother 
you know, which we can, you know, count yeah. on to look after us. And that's changing right now. I mean, you know, you had all those um, uh, tariffs go up and Turnbull was able to uh, convince Trump not to, not to put them on Australia, um, which was, a, a, I suppose, a positive thing. Um, but, you know, they've definitely um, moved, moved away from being the global policeman to being a lot more isolationist. And that's, you know, causing, that's the sort of scaring us as, you know, it's a shift of power. I mean, it's not scaring. I mean, we don't have any enemies in, in the world, maybe strategic um, competitors, but I wouldn't say enemies. And that's, you know, that, that shift of power is, um, yeah, it's, it's a thing to be, con- no, not concerned about, but I mean, inter- definitely engaged in uh, within Australian defence. Hard power, that is. Yeah. Um, look, I think anyone who's listened to the podcast so far knows my position on Trump. Hmm. Um, I think, did you see, uh, the other day passed the Music Modernization Act? Did Music you see Modernization Act? Yeah, no, yeah, what's yeah. this? Yeah, so this is basically, um, what, what, what's been happening recently because of, uh, all these different platforms, uh, you know, like, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, whatever, mm-hmm. um, artists pretty much haven't been getting... Uh, money for like the appropriate royalties for songwriting all this stuff sure Um, he's passed a bill that's supposed to uh, rectify that Mm. so that artists songwriters um, producers get the actual guaranteed to get that's a direct shout out you know to all the all the musicians and celebrities which which, you know have to not like him as much you know yeah well this is a shout out to you know to all the musicians and celebrities who go on on stage and say f trump and all that type of stuff it's like like, there you go (laughs) here's your pot there's a um there's a kind of a a peace offering and an olive branch there but Mm. at the same time you know again he's just kicking goals Mm. um Look, we said on the last podcast, black unemployment, lowest in 60 years, 70 years. Um, pretty much, it's actually the lowest since before the civil rights movement. Because what actually happened with the civil rights movement is when they brought in affirmative action, and particularly the minimum wage laws, um, the blacks in America, uh, youth unemployment among blacks in America prior to the civil rights movement was actually lower than that of whites. Wow. Um, but what's actually happened is uh, because the introduction of the minimum wage to America in the 1960s meant that um, blacks, uh, un- youth, youthful blacks were priced out of the market. Because what happens is as soon as you introduce a minimum wage, and my brother and I have covered this, you actually are saying to the employer that unless the employee is worth this amount, mm-hmm. it's not actually in your benefit to hire them. Yeah. So what was happening prior to that was um, young blacks who were coming out um, kind of in Harlem or, or wherever, um, were actually able to get employment because they were able to work for initially what was less than what became the minimum wage. So, for example, if, when the minimum wage became $15 or whatever it was, um, but prior to that, blacks were able to work for 8 or $9, but they were entered into a consensual relationship between them and the employer. The employer said, I'm happy to give you this job. It's To me, it's not worth more than uh, $9 or whatever it is. Um, but I would like to have you do it. And the, the black kid said, yeah, I'm happy to do that for $9, right? That's a consensual relationship between mm-hmm. two consenting adults. Even if the kid was under 18 or whatever it was, um, they would go to the parents and the parents would say, yeah, that's totally fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. So what actually ended up happening was, as soon as you bring in the minimum wage, <coughs> the kids who didn't have skills who were coming up out of these lower socioeconomic backgrounds, particularly uh, blacks and Hispanics, um, 
they weren't able to get employed. Mm. And so when they weren't able to get employed, they were never actually able to get that first job, which meant when they went on to apply for other jobs or whatever and increase their wage, they didn't have any work experience. They didn't have any skills. They didn't know how to cooperate in the workplace. They didn't know uh, teams, uh, like how to work in a team, whatever. So it meant that you have this kind of welfare trap, well, and then the state comes in and says, look at all these unemployed kids and or like all these unemployed guys. Mm. We have to somehow rectify this, right? So then you have the rise of the welfare state, which meant that uh, the welfare kind of uh, scheme involved particularly um, targeting blacks. So for example, uh, what it also meant was that the uh, welfare state also replaced black fathers. So what you have is prior to the civil rights movement, 8% of black babies were born out of wedlock. After the civil rights movement, and today, more than 70% of black babies are born out of wedlock. Same amount are born, uh, grow up in a home without a father. So you have uh, several hundred years of slavery, did not break apart the black family. In 30 years of the welfare state, post-civil civil rights movement, the black family has been destroyed. So now you've got a situation which Donald Trump is saying, okay, well, we're going to cut taxes, we're going to cut regulation. So uh, black ownership uh, for small businesses is up 400% since Obama, since the election. Mm-hmm. 400% increase. Okay, so uh, black people are owning more businesses. Uh, unemployed uh, unemployment among blacks is going mm. down. I'm saying he's kicking goals. Um, saw Kanye come out earlier in the week. That was pretty whack. I love it. I'm a big fan of Kanye. Um, came out and sat down with the president. They had a good chat. And did you see the way that the some of these people talked about Reacting. Kanye as soon as he he supported Trump? Don Lemon on it, it, it is interesting to see the reaction um, you know when they're not following that narrative yeah um, yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't fit it doesn't fit doesn't look fit. Kanye is pretty kooky like we got to admit like he's, he's, he, he's but the <laughs> problem is like that's the thing that's what you get with, uh, like with genius genius is like on the edge like on the precipice of total insanity mm. and um, total rationality it's like it teeters on the edge because you've got to push the limits in order to be a, a genius almost because you've got to push into what we don't know and so we can only think of things um, that we know oh sorry we don't think of things that we don't know in terms of what we know right um, he's on the edge mm. as far as I'm concerned uh, what sort of this through this whole sort of Kanye Donald Trump thing sort of uh, sort of brought to my, my attention is sort of the importance of personal relationships within these you know hugely powerful stru- um, governments you know they they care so much like it's like oh he's my friend he's my do my thing you know eh, eh. you know they they rely so much on these 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 sort of obscure personal relations so, so much and you know the the amount that's riding on these relationships is just um just that that's very quite interesting I find <laughs> it's just yeah it's funny okay well how would you give uh, if you're going to give Trump a scorecard so far he's been in the office kind of year and a half year mm-hmm. and three quarters or whatever it is um, what would you give him out of ten look it, it, it depends on what aspect you, you want to talk about I mean look holistic look, hol- holistically look I, I you know I, America since the end of the second world war has always sort of played a world leader right mm. and that's changed they don't, they don't want to be the world leader anymore you know they're pulling out of the Paris climate agreement they've sort of good have They've given a big F you to the uh, to the world, you know, to, the, gonna, to the bureaucrats in Paris. Yeah. Oh. Good. Oh man, we're gonna we're gonna cook, man. Well, the Earth hasn't warmed in the last fifteen years. Really? Yeah, it hasn't it hasn't moved. 
temperature hasn't moved. Okay. Say say we don't say just bar climate change. Would you would you suggest that going to more renewable sources of energy, free energy almost, once you know once you get everything installed and paid for, would be better than say going to coal fire, you know, um, coal fire powers of energy. Well, fossil fuels. Well, what I would say is. Um, only once it's actually economically feasible. Sure. You have, for example, you have a situation in which Australia exports an enormous amount of coal to mm. India, for example. Yeah. Now, India has some of the poorest people in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. India cannot afford, at the rate, like South Australians cannot afford renewable energy. Okay. South, you've seen all these blackouts. South Australia, South Australia has the highest energy prices in the world. Mm. Okay. We have enormous amounts of both uranium and coal. Okay, one second. Well, I'll just make this point quickly. Yeah. Now, you have some of the ports. We have Australians who can't afford renewable energy mm-hmm. because uh, as, soon as, as, as soon as the wind turbine stops spinning or, or whatever happens, we don't have the power to store We don't have the capacity to store it. So once that happens, you've got to buy off the main grid, and that's unbelievably expensive, right? You have situations where power prices in South Australia go up 2,500% in a day. Um, so Australia exports enormous amounts of, of coal, relatively clean coal, to India. Now, India cannot afford, the pe- the kids in the Indian slums cannot afford renewable energy, right? So the only way that they get to turn on the stove or that they get to turn on the lights or keep themselves warm in India is through coal, is through burning coal-fired power stations. Would you say they are being entrapped by cheap foreign energy sources where maybe, say, if they put up taxes, tariffs, they would be able to create their own domestic industry of energy, renewable energy potentially, do you think that the Australian government, or not the Australian government, the Australian coal, is keeping them in a in a poorer state of electrical um, electric, electrical um, independency? No, not at all. No. So, okay. Um, so they're not being uh, able. They're, they're not. There's there's no op- there's no opportunity for them to create their own sources of power because of this this um cheap, relatively cheap source of energy. Foreign export. Into their sure. country. Sure. I, I, I'm not. I'm not quite getting what you're saying. So, because we're giving them a, a cheaper alternative, they're not developing their own stuff. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah. So, so it's destroying their own industry or potential. Well, they don't have. They, they don't have an industry. What well, I'm why saying. Not? What I'm saying. Okay. All right. So let's just say they put up tariffs. Price mm-hmm. of coal goes up. Hundred um, percent. They don't. They don't have an enormous amount of coal. They've got barely any coal. Yeah. Mines. Then there'll, there'll be issues uh, there. Okay. And then so the price of coal goes up. However much. Kids at home. You see what happens in South Australia. Yeah. Pensioners can't turn on uh, can't turn on the heater. Hmm. Imagine what happens to the kids in the slums in India. Yeah, they die. No. This is the thing. This is what happens when when government bureaucrats and people in the inner west of Sydney decide that they're going to um, crank up power price for everyone else in the globe. There's actual real and tangible consequences, and you've seen it in South Australia. But you can, you can see this all over the world. If we decide that we're going to um, destroy Australia's capacity to export coal to some of the poorest countries in the world, then Australia has to live with the consequences of uh, many of the poorest people in the world not being able to turn on power. Hmm. Until we have the... Uh, look, if you talk about the general point, right, and down the road, when yeah. we have the capacity to store renewable energy properly, yes, I'm a fan, 100%, but we're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not even close. When we do, 100%, I would say... and But more than that, when we do have the capacity to do it, the market will decide that for, the, for itself. The point at which renewable energies become cheaper than coal, there will be no economic incentive to make coal. Hmm. Okay? But, but do you believe that it should be... I mean, obviously, you, you don't want to completely throw, throw a spanner in the works of the market, but there should be incentives towards moving towards 
you know, you know, the market isn't efficient. They sometimes it needs a little bit of a nudge, like, come on, just go that way, go that way. Uh, would would you believe that you know maybe certain tax breaks for for renewable energy? Uh, I'm or, I'm, or yes, yeah. No, well, I'm in favour of cutting taxes for whatever reason. I mean, yeah. if you flip a coin and say if its heads cut taxes, if its tails don't, then yeah. I'm in favour of that. Yeah. I think the the idea that the government spends money better than the people is ridiculous. I don't yeah, I don't yeah, buy yeah, that. Yeah. Right? People, are, uh, you, you're much better to leave people to decide for themselves what they want and what's important mm. to them. Um, but in terms of uh, look, I'm happy for tax breaks to renewables. Yeah. I'm happy for tax breaks for everyone. Mm. Uh, but what I'm not in favour of is hiking taxes up for other people so that we can give tax breaks. To renewables. No, I was, I was like, just, I was putting out just a sure, sure, sure. little scenario. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's fine. That's fine. Look, I, you know, um, it is what it is. Until we get there, like, we have to deal with realities. We can't deal yeah. with hypotheticals. Of course, you can, yeah. Um, we're, we're still at the point where we can't store renewable energy mm. at, the, at, at, at the rate at which we like. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. And like, can I tell you, people want to, right? This is the thing. People mm. want to, and the person, the people who are able to effectively harness renewable energy. Mm will be rich. Remember, um, was it Dr. Carl came into our school, um, I think we were year 10 or something, and he said Australia, if they, and this is what he said, he said if they really put their minds to it, they could go completely renewable within 20 years. Now, that was a claim he made. Um, uh, did, what do you think of that sort of, uh, that sort of idea? I mean, he said, that's, that's, you know, that's a, it's a huge claim, you know, all sections of society moving towards renewable. But I mean, it's often it's often the case that people with no skin in the game um, have ideas like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not surprising to see um, the people who aren't kind of the poorest or whatever, um, who are kind of career academics or whatever, throw out ideas like that. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean anything to me. The mm. idea it's like if everyone bands together, it's like yeah, well if everyone bands together, like we can kind of destroy you know bullying or whatever. It's like kind of this concept that goes out into the ether it's like there's always going to be bullying there's always going to be people looking after their own interests like mm. um the can i tell you if if dr carl wants everyone to go renewable build something that um harnesses renewable energy effectively do that and and it'll be done in 10 stop um, stop, I, the, stop the, asking the everyone else to do it and why don't you do it yeah true that's what yeah, i say lead by example yeah. yeah why don't you lead by example everyone loves to tell everyone else what to do why don't you just go out and do it anyways um that's my spill on Trump. So if you're mm. going to give me out of 10, what's it out of 10? Oh. Nuts and bolts. Holistic everything. Oh. I, 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 uh, out of 10. Uh, I, I, I'm so conflicted. I'm so conflicted. There's, there's some things I agree with. You know, not, not, being, not being this hugely expansionist, you know, militaristic country. Sure. Which I am all, all for, but I'm I, I definitely think that pulling out of the Paris um, Climate Accord is is negative for the world in general. Okay. And so, obviously, and like you know, he, he he's got his own personal you know, charisma and things that he does personally, and that's five, six. Five, let's give him a five. Let's give him a five. Let's give him a five. So that's a pass. I think I think like I think that this is just an absolute throwing a ball out there. Yeah. I think America almost could be just having a little sugar rush on Trump. Just like, okay. just like, they could be feeling, oh, this is great, you know. They say Americans are overly optimistic all the time. They should be now. Okay. O- overly optimistic, not, not, not adhering to uh, the like realities of rationalism. Of, of, yeah, of, yeah. Um, you know, every, every, you know, for the last 
know, 2000... You can only really describe people as overly optimistic in the benefit of hindsight. Yeah. You can only look back and say people were overly optimistic. I don't think you can say in the current state people are overly optimistic. Because what does that even mean? Because unless you know what's going to happen, which people don't, no one's Nostradamus, you can't say, like... For instance, if you're like, I'm so so excited about the prospect of next year. Mm. And I say to you, I think you're being a bit overly optimistic. But if next year turns out to be the best year you've ever had... Mm. You were right, I was wrong. So, like, kind of your perception of what's overly optimistic or whoever's perception... Who even defines overly optimistic? Mm. At which point do you say someone's overly optimistic compared to crazy or just overly optimistic? Yeah, look, it's all kind of... That's, yeah, almost like postmodernist is what exists. Yeah. What doesn't. (laughs) Anyways... Um, well, you know, I wasn't planning on talking about Trump, but thank you for bringing it up. No, I, 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 you I said t- you like to talk about Trump every, uh, every well, episode. Well, y- you know what? I was conflicted because I, I was like, well, you know, I, I also say to the guests sometimes, like, if you want to have a rant about something, do you have something that you, you know, do you want to get off your chest? Like, you know, the state of infrastructure in New South Wales or like, um, anything like that. Talk about NBN, housing prices. NB- NBN is a good one. Um, government's building this is what happens bro- when the broadcasting government uh, the NBN is going to be the biggest systems. yeah the they, NBN they, is they, the biggest <laughs> the biggest advertisement for the private sector I've ever seen look the NBN the governments are meant to govern let's just they're say to, that yeah, yeah they're not they're okay. not telecommunications builders they're not no. they're not they're not no. um, it's pretty funny though it's no. not funny because it hurts because it's painful because you've got to pay for it because yeah. we pay taxes but um it's like, you know, Milton Freeman once said, uh, if the government ran the Sahara Desert, there'd be a shortage of sand. That's what <laughs> Milton Freeman once said. Um, um, I just have a, little, I have a little, theory, a little idea coming along. What do you think of not having state governments? We'll throw that, throw that to you. No state governments, everything centrally controlled by the national government, federal government, mm. and there's not all these different laws for different states, and councils, larger councils would have more control on, on the regions that they look after so a national a national curriculum for education which you know with diversity that which you know, teachers could choose from mm. but um yeah that, that's just that's just I'm it's just, an interesting idea like, it's yeah. an interesting idea because obviously I mean, you we're have pretty to, connected you know yeah, we can we can do we can talk to people over here and there we don't need a oh, sorry yeah because yeah. obviously you have the uh, the separation of powers whatever it is mm-hmm. um uh which gets divides you know you have federal jurisdiction you have the concurrent powers which are both you have the federal and the state and then mm-hmm. you have the state powers um, I don't really know to no. be honest I, I don't know look I, I, the, like you said at the council level particularly like when there was uh, for example the, the proposition of amalgamating the councils yeah it was um, wild yeah. it was nuts it was bedlam yeah. you see people getting spat on mm. by stuff like I don't know why mm. um, I think they did it wrong I think they did it wrong I think they should have gotten like creamed off the fat off the, uh, off the stage well, but, yeah but my thing is it's like um, like the councils are pretty hopeless I reckon they're pretty hopeless. Like, um, it's like getting that you're building approvals. And, oh, mate, it's, mate. I'm, 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 I don't even understand how that even works. I mean, yeah. like, the whole idea is like we'll give you this approval, but then, then you can make you know three mil, you know, off your development over here. But thing over there can't. And yeah. you know, just cherry picking here. I've just no idea. You know, how it works. A, a lot of it comes down to, um, like for example, there was a story I, I was I heard about the other the other month or whatever it was where councils were were racking up the rates because you know you got to pay your rates to the council Um, they were racking them up but they also weren't allowing for the development of a whole bunch of housing blocks Mm -hmm. and the residents were saying well as soon as that development goes ahead the value of my property goes up 
Okay. There's more houses. Well, there's more the... no, there's more houses. Um, they're better developed. It's an it becomes a nicer area. So mm -hmm. these property developers, they had a whole, a whole bunch of plans. They wanted to go in and build a whole bunch of new 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 places, like um, new bunch of condensed living like apartments, and it also opened up, you know, all, all these kind of infrastructure possibilities. Mm -hmm. But the councils kept j jacking up the rates. But at the right. same time, they were saying to the How? developers, Why? oh. I don't know. You know, and who who monitors that? Like who, who, gets, it's, who, it's, who gets to choose? You know how much, like you know, the rates are. Yeah, it's a council. Yeah. So so um, council kept jacking up the rates, and the, and the, the residents are saying, look, you're not letting the, the property developers develop, which is mm. going to increase the value of my house, mm. right? The, this house is pretty much the only asset I really own. The car is going to be worthless in five years. Um, you know, the house is pretty much it. So if you're going to jack up the rates without letting me improve the value of my house. Um, it's kind of not, and you've got so total confusing. control over that. Yeah. They might as well be the federal government. Like yeah. it's the way that like they're acting like a bunch of cowboys. And not yeah. only that, a lot of it seems to be um, people have personal relationships with the council. Yeah. That means that oh, they. Oh, so So my thing is, look, I, I'm I'm in favour of a more efficient and more streamlined government. I'm also I'm also conscious of the fact that um, look, uh, you know, there are some. I guess duties or whatever, which are better managed at a very local level. Yeah. But I also feel like people manage that themselves quite well. Mm -hmm. Like the pe people know what's important to them. Um, like I don't like councils. I'm not totally convinced that there's a net benefit to them, but I can see why. I I can see the reasoning behind the state, federal, and local. Mm. I can see it. Yeah. yeah. Look, I'm. That's kind of that's kind of question about the the nature of laws and like the purpose of laws itself. It's almost like a theoretical, like a Rousseau type question. Mm. Um, anyways, what do you reckon? Would you get oh, rid of state government? Oh, look, uh, that was just that was just a, just just a yeah, hypothetical <laughs> question. Fair enough. No, it would be a huge it'd be a huge structural difference uh, change in the way Australia operated. So I, yeah, I'll just it would it would. Um, what Australia really needs is better pu public transport out the west. We need a big fast train all the way to Sydney, to Melbourne, cutting through Canberra, out to the out to the Blue Mountains. Mate, I am the biggest fan of a, of a high speed rail. Oh, let's do it! Can Come I on, you? let's do it! This this the, let's pop this bubble! Come let's on, go, let's go! Yes! I would be I would be so keen because you know what actually happens when you do that <laughs> is that that would put such downward pressure on house prices. Hmm. When you have a high speed rail that would say run through Sydney, uh, Canberra, Melbourne whatever along that corridor um you can actually build infrastructure yeah. and houses and Unreal. Whatnot. yeah um like you see what in like in japan when i went to japan it has the most unbelievable high-speed mm. rail like the shinkansen yeah. it is unbelievable and you're just like we are so far behind man yeah. we're so far behind um and why is that why is australia lagging behind in these public infrastructure um projects why i mean obviously there's you know lots of things going on but i mean we have the, you know, an incredible bubble it's it's easing off now but i mean yeah why is that why are we so <laughs> it's it, it's a it's look you know i don't want to make it planning or is it just no, laziness no, 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 or no, no. i don't want to make it a partisan thing i don't want to make it a partisan thing but like yeah particularly the greens and, and and labor who don't like the idea of don't like the idea of it um it's a lot of money invariably would have to involve some private enterprise ownership or whatever it would be. Um, it would be expensive. Well, like, for example... It, it of course would be expensive. It would be expensive. Now. Yeah, it would be expensive, but also... Um, 
Well, there's also the, the well, do we build it with Chinese labour? Do we build it with Australian labour? Australia costs about three or four times more. Hmm. Um, there are all those questions. I'm all for it. Um, that would be one of the first things I would do. If, if you were to build a high-speed network, oh, sorry, high-speed uh, high tra- rail, rail um, would, you, would you use imported labour or domestic if it's, if it's four times cheaper? Oh, you, you'd have, like... I mean, that, but you'd have, that, to that, use, you'd have to use imported. You'd have to. You'd have to. Mm. Yeah, what you have as an obligation to the, to the taxpayer, mm-hmm. you have an obligation to spend as little as their money for the maximum amount of benefit. But what about the compounding effect of all Australians having that money and being able to spend it in the economy? And sort of, would that create a, you say, a, a bubble almost? Yeah, yeah, or? but the thing is, the government sp- is spending our money anyway. So they're just giving our money back to us. Mm. So it's like... But isn't, isn't that better for the economy? You know, the more reverberation of money within within the country. Uh, yeah, but you, like, rather than you, you, you got to tax us more to spend more. Hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you can tax us less to spend yeah. less to get the same thing. Hmm. What do you think of the um, the twenty five percent now tax tax um, bracket for small to medium businesses, which both both uh, liberals and labor are going ahead with? I'd drop it down to ten. Ten? Yeah, mate, uh, the less tax the better. Mm. Less tax the better. Government is an unbelievably poor spender of money. If there's one thing that is consistent throughout mm. history since the beginning of governments, it is that they are an unbelievably poor um, spender of money. You know, it was once said that a uh, a camel is a horse designed by a committee. Um, the idea that when you get a whole bunch of people together to sit around and deliberate over what they should do, it invariably leads to um, ugly and expensive consequences. Mm. I, I was I was talking with a, a girl from Washington last last night, and I, I was saying, uh, yeah, yeah, from America, yeah, yeah. America, <laughs> yeah, and um, and she, I was saying, you know, what do you find? What's the difference? What do you like about Australia? She said, I lived here for, for eight years. She said she likes the hospitals. She liked the the control of law, no guns. And she liked the the possibilities and the, and the the job prospects within Australia, and just yeah. So the, and one of the big things was available availability of um, healthcare mm. in Australia. So mm. that was that was amazing. The quality of life is so much higher than in America. Mm. Um, you know that that's uh, maybe due to laws and government spending within the health sector. Mm. Sure, but there's there's a burden of proof there. What what you have to prove is that um, that for the same amount of money. Or, or whatever it is that the private sector wouldn't only be able to do it cheaper, but would be able to do it if not the same but better. So there's actually quite a substantial burden of proof, and it's the same thing with global warming. What you have to prove if you want to influence something like Paris, first thing you got to prove is that the Earth is warming. Uh, second, second thing you got to prove is that it's humans who did it. Yeah. Third thing you got to prove is that a reduction in what we're what we're trying to do will actually be effective and will not actually the benefits of that won't actually outweigh the costs of that because the costs are quite real and tangible that's a pretty substantial burden of proof um i'm skeptical of, of, of the evidence yeah. yeah look i think even even if you don't believe it that ch- the climate change is happening even if you you know you are you know there's, there's many people talking about is it is it warming up which i'm believing personally um but I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just reducing rubbish, you know, within within the ocean, you know, going go renewable. Uh, okay, renewable, but in a, an affordable way that's not going to, you know, devastate people. Make sure that, uh, that there's uh, no power in you know, South Australia, for instance. Um, I mean, there's so many things that we can do to help the world, even even if it's not, you know, directly related to climate change. Sure, but I guess that's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah, lots of other things. Lots of other things. <laughs> All right. Now, th- I understand that uh, you, your 
you mentioned some kind of web seminar web, web show yes web show yes. Cool. So, why don't you tell us about this so yeah. we love a plug on this we are the biggest advocates for shameless plugs on mm. this program mm. um, we'll get to mine afterwards but yours first um Give us a rundown. What are you working on? So currently, I'm in the process of making a, a wine show where I travel all around Australia, going to the best wineries, drinking the best wine, and then going to the best bars, best restaurants, and having, having a laugh, having a chat, riding horses, shucking oysters, having a bit of fun. And the whole point is to showcase a few of the wines that I sell. Also, it's to make myself seem like a cool, knowledgeable wine guy. And thirdly, it's to... Oh, sorry, yeah, but all that is to um, be able to have a better base uh, for Chinese buyers to understand what Australian wine's all about. And half of it is actually in Mandarin. So that is cool. awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. I love that idea. Yeah. I think that's great. So you ever seen, um, you know, not swearing, but That's Delicious by uh, Action Bronson? I haven't. It's uh, just on Vice, a uh, little show there. I, I, I try not to watch Vice on if Vice? I can no. avoid it. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Uh, Vice, Vice actually be. I used to find it mm. awesome. I used to love Vice, mm. but it's uh, turned into uh, some. It's really run off the rails. It, mm. it, it's got like these two heads, right? There's mm. cool and funny stuff on the one hand, and then it's kind of this really hardcore, um, like postmodern conservative neo- leftist. Oh, not conservative. Like I think I, I have um, an opinion that leftists are conservative because they've got such a sometimes a narrow mind that they won't they're not open to other ideas yeah, like they, call, they call it liberal yeah. but liberal almost means you know being able to accept many yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah, yeah. your open opinion yeah, yeah. but when you have a hardline like opinion on something sure. does that make you conservative well that's the, well, <laughs> conservatively left wing well the funny thing <laughs> is is that you know I, I was speaking to um, my brother about this on I think the second podcast it's that um, the roles have totally changed the people yeah. who, are, who are more open-minded now tend to be situated on the right. And the people who tend to be more hostile, uh, virulent, and violent and aggressive tend to be situated on the left. Yeah. Um, and what that also means is, as I was saying to Duke, is, is that you also have... The people who are funny now mm-hmm. tend to be on the right. Because it's hard to be funny when you're offended by everything. It's hard to be funny. The, the, the left sort of created a, a beast, a monster that they sort of, it's sort of cannibalizing themselves it, now. That's what tends to happen. Yeah. And the, 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 what happens is uh, revolutions on the left almost invariably eat themselves. It's what happens is, because as I was saying uh, on the last one with uh, Johnny Ruddy, is that you have on the fringes, um, like as soon as you start uh, doing this identity politics thing and like trying to uh, put people into stratas and segment. Yeah. Yeah. There's invariably overlap, and they tend to eat itself anyway. Vice, yeah. Vice. What's it called? What's this new show called? The uh, the, the running title, you know, is yeah. uh, currently is Tian Shui Di Chou, which means Paradise Earth. Paradise. So, Earth. also apart from being a wine show, it's also just about you know the Australians and Chinese just going, look, you're cool, I'm cool. Yeah. Let's just be mates. Let's just have a glass of wine. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's about of, international relations. International yeah. love. That's yeah. what I'm all about. Yeah. Keeping, just knowing what's up. I like that. I'm yeah. a big fan. I'm, so is it in production? It's, it, it's, it's in production. So I've got three episodes down. Wow. Uh, uh, so do you have a full crew and everything? Or uh, Yeah, huge crew. Great project. <laughs> it's pretty much the camera that we're using right now and uh, a couple of mates' favours. But um, awesome. lots, of, lots of free wine. Um that, that's that's for going down. Um, that is awesome. We'll definitely plug but, that. I yeah, want no, to give that a massive plug. On yeah. Our, so on, I'm, our, on I'm, our page. I'm I'm keen just for five episodes. The yep. big push. 
uh, and that, that's all we'll come out with. Where have you been with so far? Can you can you give us a teaser, like the places that you've been to so far? I've been to a, co- a few cool wine bars around Newtown. Um, Manly, uh, been down there having a few shanters on a... Mm. The, on the wharf on the wharf oh, yeah. and a couple of other nice places which we'll see went to the Sydney fish markets I love the fish markets the fish markets Honestly, the, and the best sushi in Sydney is definitely at the fish markets so fresh <laughs> so fresh so fresh <laughs> that's great and uh, I, I kick along with my uh, Chinese buddies when we used to talk Mandarin and we um, also got this other one the Italian food and wine festival that was sort of fun went uh, in carriage works have you been to the um, the noodle markets yet? no I haven't uh, right in the middle of stuff <laughs> I'm just, I'm, you know, it's cool, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Honestly, it happens. Yeah. Um, cool. uh, so you're studying? Yeah. What are you studying? I study uh, global studies and business at UTS. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Last cool. last semester. Last semester. I'm just finished. Strong, I'm yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, um, now these guys, they. Yeah. Where can you get them? Where Where can we get them? You can get you can get these guys in Chambers Cellars right now. They're going. They're twenty twenty three dollars each, but you can get two for thirty five, I believe. Okay, that's a little deal we got going. And in uh, vintage sellers, there's Champagne Jacquard, two for a hundred, so fifty bucks each. Normally seventy five. Really? Yeah. No. If it's a serious piece of um, piece of gear. Yeah, it it's is a serious piece of gear. It is um, wonderful present, wonderful, wonderful uh, start to the night. That is, I, you know, there's nothing, there's not a lot nicer than a champagne on arrival. Yeah. As soon as you read that, wherever you're going, you yeah, go, no, this is good. Good. we're going to be all right. Yeah, gonna we're right. going to be all right. Yeah. That's I, the problem with champagne. I don't, I don't like popping them at parties because they just disappear like that. You need just a nice little dinner or... Yeah. You know, it's, 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 the champagne is a weird kind of, because it's, it's definitely a party thing, but it's like, if you don't, it, like if someone's not pouring properly, you, use a lot, you lose a lot through the froth mm. and... Champagne's also a prestige drink. It's you know, it's a premium drink. You don't have to drink champagne. Champagne, you know, because of the history and the just the whole the whole concept of champagne, it, it's sort of just like going, I put eighty bucks down on a bottle. Look at me. Like I know yeah. it's a little bit of that. Like a lot of, it's a lot, I swear I a lot of people don't even intend to drink it. Mm. They just intend to pop it yeah. and then kind of make a big scene. I'm keen to go on the sabre. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's serious. I've um. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, yeah. It's just, it's just a party it. trick. It is. It is. Um, I wouldn't uh, do it if I wasn't a professional. Mate, I'll, I'll leave your bottle. Well, yeah, leave the bottle. Yeah. Don't leave me a sword, though. So. <laughs> um, well, Baz, is there any, anything else you want to give a plug? We've done your, what, we've done your show. Um, anyone mm-hmm. else you want to give a shout-out to? Um, um, uh, just one, one little thing of a rant. Maybe. Yeah, go a for quick, it. A quick yeah, yeah, rant. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, um... Look, guys, my biggest rant right now, the world is the way it is, and, you know, things are just great. <laughs> so cut that. Cut that right there. That's ridiculous. Things um, are great. Things, things are, are great. Things are great. We live in the most peaceful era in human history. Yeah, we do. And the standard of living for humans has never been higher. I would say, if you sure. need something to celebrate, buy a bottle of champagne for, that's one. Yeah. Yeah. Also, so the thing... No, so I'll be like... So the thing, actually, I wanted to say, guys... Firstly, if you pop a bottle of champagne, it would disappear straight away. So that's 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 not an issue. But if you're drinking sparkling, Australian sparkling, and you only drink half of it, don't put it in the fridge with a spoon. That's ridiculous. You don't you don't save the bubbles like that. You need you a proper stopper. You need a proper stopper. All these people going, oh, just chuck it in the fridge, mate. Put a spoon on it. Not a thing. What? No, it's not a thing. It's not a, a thing. To- fake news, everyone. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. 
That's what they were saying. Don't there. don't put spoons in your bubbles. It's ridiculous. No it, spoons gas, in bubbles. The gas comes out. Okay. That's a fair plan. That's my little rant. That's your rant. All Just right. a wine. Just keeping it local. Just keeping, keeping it, it real simple. That's a good one. That's a yeah. good one. I think um, you know what. I think a lot of people may have actually learned quite a bit about mm. um, bubbles. About wine. Well, wines in general. Champagne. Hopefully. Bubbles. Now, if you're gonna thirty seconds, um, yep. you went to China. Yep. You didn't know heaps of Mandarin. You no. knew enough to get you by, I guess, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. What would your advice be to someone who wants to go to China? Would it just be to just go? Just do it. Just do it. Just, just do go. Charlie Buffett. Just Charlie Buffett. Just yeah. do it. Learn the language. Learn. Learn what's up. Look, Chinese people, it's different. Different background. Different values. Just learn it. No one's right. No one's wrong. They just have a different opinion. Just learn about them. Understand it, and be like, okay, you're like this. I'm like that. How do we, how do we, how do we get along? That, yep. That's all I want to say. Like, no one, no one's intrinsically bad or good. They're just different. Learn how to deal with the differences. That's it. Learn Chinese. We, well, we can cover the genealogy of, of morals another day. Yeah. Whether or not people are intrinsically bad or evil. Yeah. Good, good or evil. <laughs> just learn Chinese. Just be open-minded. That's all I can say. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, finally, as per usual, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, My Style Suits, best suit rental business in the game. Oh, mate, mate. Um, Baz is not wearing my style suit, but we might be able to get him one sooner or later. Um, suit rentals, two weeks, eighty to hundred dollars. You won't find a better price than that. Thank you to my style again. Um, more importantly, thank you to Sebastian Keys for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate it, mate. No worries. Um, we will pop the link uh, in the YouTube video, uh, Facebook, to where to buy all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, also, leave positive reviews if you do try it. And you know, I don't want to say that. That sounds like censorship. Yeah. Leave an honest review, but I'm sure it'll yeah. be good. Um, thank you, guys, and uh, see you soon. Cheers. Thank you very much. <laughs>